The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Today we're continuing our series on the book Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. I'm teaching it chapter by chapter. Today we're teaching Lesson 6, Wealth of Mind Expresses Itself in Riches. Now before we start, I want to remind you uh, that this book is available in many formats. You can buy uh, the softcover book. You can order it online to through your Kindle or your iPhones or iPads or computers or whatever. And there are even free versions floating around that can be downloaded. So there's no reason why you can't get this book. I am requesting that everyone who is following along with this series go online and get the book. If it's free and you can hear this show online, then guess what? You can access the book. You can download the book. So I want to make sure that you read ahead. If you know what I'm teaching ahead of time, then you'll know what chapter you need to read before I teach it. Therefore, after you read it and then I teach it, then you can, if you have questions, you can call in and ask me, ask me about it. Or you can email me or you can go to my Facebook page, which is Truth Transforms with, excuse me, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell and inbox me and we will, you know, be able to discuss and discourse and et cetera, et cetera. But I want to make sure that you actually get the book because I can't teach every line and what I, I might skip over something that might be important to you. But for me, you know, I might just brush over it. 
because we only have a finite amount of time to actually teach the subject. So please make sure you get the book. Now, we're starting on page 87. And the, this chapter starts, starts off with a definition. He states, Mr. Fillmore states, prosperity, according to Webster, is an advance or gain in anything good or desirable, successful progress toward or attainment of a desired object. So we can call prosperity anything that's an advance or gain in anything good or desirable. That's prosperous. We can call prosperity successful progress toward. We can call prosperity attainment of a desired object. In other words, it's prosperity if you're a, a soccer player and you kick the ball through the goal. That's prosperity because you have attained a desired object. In other words, you got what you wanted. But then he goes on to say, and I think this is very powerful, and I think we need to do this because at times people start to compare their lives to others. And there's no need to do it. He states that prosperity does not mean the same thing to two, to any two persons. The wage earner, to the wage earner, an increase of a few dollars in the weekly income may seem like wonderful prosperity for it means an increase in the comfort and welfare of his family. The man who engages in vast enterprises reckons prosperity in larger terms and does not consider himself prosperous unless things are coming to him in a big way. Between these extremes are many ideas of prosperity, which shows quite plainly that prosperity is not in the possession of things, but in the recognition of supply and in the knowledge of free and open access to an inexhaustible storehouse of all that is good or desirable. Now, let's back up. It's not the, it's not the same thing for any two persons. When you're living at the Bill Gates level, Warren Buffett level, they might define prosperity a certain way based upon millions and billions. A person that gets a couple of hundred extra dollars a week, as he states, could be the difference between livelihood and food and et cetera. Some people don't want lives where they're responsible for a whole lot of people and a whole lot of money and a whole lot of businesses and and have to make a lot of decisions. Because the thing about it is when you are playing the big game called life and you are accumulating prosperity, that means that you are normally building something that requires you to make a lot of choices, not only about your life, but the livelihood of others, because normally that's a business or some type of product, or, you know, do you have people who are athletes or they're artists or they're writers, et cetera. You can become what the world calls wealthy in many ways, but normally it affects other people. So everybody might not want that level, but what they want is financial independence at whatever level of life they live. So for some people, they want the house with with 20 rooms for some people as long as they have their one bedroom you know apartment and all of their bills are paid and they eat well and they drive well or they might even drive well they might not want a car but they can get to and fro on public transportation or whatever that's prosperity to them so and, and everything in between that so 
it's important for you to ask yourself, what is prosperity to me? What does prosperity look like to me? And I'm, am I committed to experiencing that level of prosperity? Now, what does that mean? For instance, if you know you were an athlete, let's just say um, a boxer. I, mean, I was watching this documentary on Muhammad Ali and how he would run on the road and he was known for being a person who ran the roads and he would run backwards and punch while he was running down the street. But they're doing that over and over again to become a champion boxer. The amount of ring work, the amount of uh, hitting the, the, the punching bag, the amount of, you know, sparring, the amount of running, the amount of conditioning, the, the training camps, the, being away from family, et cetera, because that was the goal that he wanted. He was willing to commit to what it would take to attain that objective. Now, we say we want things, but how bad do we want it? Uh, do we want it, want it bad enough to commit to what it takes to get it, you know, at the beginning of the year, people are always making resolutions. I'm going to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to, uh, you know, save X, Y, Z amount of money. I'm going to take dream vacation. I'm going to whatever. But if you really want to lose that weight, are you willing to put the, the, the candy down and the soda down and the chips down? And the eating between meals. Are you willing to get up and do the exercise? Not once a week, not sometimes three or four times a week, sometimes every day, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. We say we want prosperity, but our habits don't necessarily always match up with them. Because if you say you want it, then what are you putting in action? To attain it. That's key. If you want prosperity, what's the plan? What's the plan? See, because it's too, it, see, you, one, you got to know what it looks like for you. And then once you know what it looks like for you, then and only then can you start to wrap your mind around what it will it take to attain it. See, you can know that. God is the source of your supply theoretically. You can know that God is everywhere equally present theoretically, but God being everywhere equally present doesn't stop people from starving to death. God being everywhere equally present doesn't stop crime. God being everywhere equally present doesn't stop the political systems in many countries from going haywire. It is only through the uh, consciousness that realizes that truth that allows the activity of God to impress upon those experiences and transform them. So having good information isn't enough. It's like I said in my class uh, uh, a couple of years ago, and I had people just repeating it over and over again. How do you lose weight? Exercise and diet. How do you lose weight? I would ask the class that. Okay. Who here knows how to 
to lose weight. People had all these things. It's just two things, exercise and diet. But you got to be committed to that. Anyway, moving along. So I, I bring out that point because even though it's not in the book, you have to be able to see that for yourself. You have to be able to see that for yourself. What does prosperity mean to you? Write it down. What does prosperity in your life look like? What would you do with your prosperity? In other words, you know, how, you know, how do you want to live? Um, who do you want to help? You know, for instance, if you you have family and children and responsibilities, uh, your church, charities, etc. See, one thing about being prosperous is you have the ability to help other people with your prosperity. I'm not saying you have to do anything, but working the universal law it keeps you in the flow and it expands what you already do. Now, moving along, page 87, bottom paragraph. It says, in the great mind of God, there is no thought of lack. And such a thought has no rightful place in your mind. It is your birthright to be prosperous, regardless of who you are and where you may be. Now, no lack in God. And if there's no lack in God, there should be no lack in your mind. Now, obviously, we do think thoughts of lack, but those thoughts of lack are based upon a sense of separation because we really don't believe we're one with God. It's theoretical. It's it's so we have to make sure that we really catch the thoughts of lack. They're going to pop in and out of your head. But when they do, you got to recognize uh, uh-uh, until that sucker to get up out of your head. How do you do that? You, you do your denials, you do your affirmations, you shift your mind to get it back in alignment with what the truth is, because it is your birthright to be prosperous because you are a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law because you are the image and likeness of God. It is your birthright to be prosperous. It is your birthright to be healthy. It is your birthright to be happy. It is your birthright to have loving relationships. It is your birthright to be free. And in any part of your life that you aren't free, you aren't happy. You can disguise it. But you can be completely free in finances and completely in bondage in your relationships. You can be completely free in your relationships and in your money and not be free in your health. But in any aspect of where where you experience bondage, it does something to the soul because at a deep soul level, you know you were meant to be free. That's why people push through stuff. And they develop divine discontent, which is when you know things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Like I know life is more than this. I know that life means more than just getting up, paying bills, struggling through stuff, dealing with nonsense and people's drama and trauma and my own nonsense, drama and trauma. Life has to be more than that. And Mr. Fillmore is saying it is your birthright to be prosperous. And I'm saying it's your birthright to be free. But the freedom that is yours and God must be claimed and put into action. It's not good enough to say, okay, well, 
it's my birthright to be free. It's my birthright to be prosperous. Okay, now, now that you have that in your consciousness, what you going to do with that understanding? Because because Emmett Fox says there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. So if you really have that, you have to live from that. You know, so it is highly, highly important that you get that you deserve happiness. You deserve peace. You deserve joy. You deserve love. And you deserve as much prosperity as you desire and are willing by right of consciousness to work with. Just think about that. You deserve it. He says on the next page, where by Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He makes it plain. This does not mean that if you belong to a certain church, you will be prospered. For righteousness is not conforming to some particular religious belief, but to the law of right thinking, regardless of creed, dogma, or religious form. So if you think right about prosperity, you can be a rascal and some other things, but you got the prosperity consciousness right. And it'll demonstrate in your life. It has nothing to do with going to church. Now, going to church is great because it teaches you holistic living. A person might have that prosperity and might be miserable. You have people who are entertainers and stars who who overdose or drugs and alcohol or their lives are spiraling out of control, even though they have what everybody else would say uh, is a, work, a life that works. In other words, they quote-unquote made it. But in all actuality, they have the prosperity thing, right? And they might have their particular gift um um uh developed enough to where they can succeed in life but they don't have a handle on the other stuff new thought teaches total well-being so we want you to have your prosperity in the form of money we want you to have prosperity in the form of health we want you to have prosperity in the form of love we want you to have prosperity in the form of joy we want your whole life to work why because we believe that that's your birthright so he says Get into the prosperity thought and you will demonstrate prosperity. Cultivate the habit of thinking about abundance everywhere present, not only in the forms of imagination, but in forms without. And he said, don't make any separation. Every time you see prosperity, acknowledge it. Think about it. Think about abundance. Think about abundance. Think about abundance. Well, we're coming up on our first break. So I do want to make sure that you have an opportunity to call me. Uh, the number is 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. If you have any questions or concerns, please call in. Let me know that you're out there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you.
Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have a guest on the line, Reverend Bobby. Are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good morning, buddy. Um, what's your question or comment? Well, I know I know you were talking about prosperity and what prosperity is to different people, but, you know, when we came along and learned prosperity, prosperity was presented to us as a state of total well-being, you know, in your relationships, in your workplace, in your home life, in your family life, and, and with the uh, 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 substance in the form of money to run your life and do the things that you want to do uh, uh, to enjoy the beauty and the allness and fullness of life. And somehow it's gotten, you know, really, really tied into, um, you know, prosperity and money and dollars and things. And, um, you know, you know, people look for that stuff, but, but you have to develop like, like your, your subject here. The wealth is the, uh, expression or, or whatever chapter you're doing when you really have to build the consciousness. And could you take a minute and just really, you know, hit in on why it is so important to build the consciousness, to build well, that prosperity consciousness so you could be cool in every area of your life, please? Well, yes, definitely. You know, the scripture said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So following mm-hmm. the Jesus model, 
he was saying get the totality, seek the kingdom, the whole consciousness of what it means to be a spiritual being, to be one with God. And when we have that total consciousness, it'll show up as harmony in all areas of our lives. We have a tendency sometimes to focus on just one thing or two things or whatever at a time. So while we got the prosperity straight, now we take our eye off of that. Now we're looking at the relationship. Now we don't have our hands on the prosperity and it comes a, a game mm-hmm. of twister. So what we're saying yeah. in new thought is lift and rise your consciousness up. So now that you're looking at life from a different point of view, that is that it is more than I'm not saying only, by the way, because at times we diminish the financial aspects of money by saying, oh, it's just money. No, it's more than right. money. OK, not just then. It's more than money. It includes money, but it also includes Health. It also includes peace. It also includes having your family work. It also includes having your friendships work. It also includes being satisfied with your job or career. All of those things make up what we call prosperity. Now, here's the key, Bobby. Yes. Possibility has a short shelf life. So because you have to main you have to maintain the consciousness that's one level, but you also have to make sure that you keep it in existence through your action. Part of that is through holding the right thought. Part of it is through speaking the word, but it's also being it in your life. So when people show up in your experience, you show up as that consciousness. And what mm-hmm. ends up happening is people will treat you like that consciousness because that's what you're radiating out. So you have to attract it back. So people who are prosperous have to have a tendency for people to take care of them. People buy them lunch. They yeah. buy them stuff. They do things for them. Then people say, well, how come you don't do those things for people who don't have? Because people give to that, that which is in alignment with that vibe. So it's a part of yeah. the whole conscience. And when you are a loving person, people have a tendency to do loving things for you. It's just how it works. So it's developing the consciousness that works. Hopefully that was satisfactory, Reverend Bobby. I think I could go walk on a little bit of water right now, thanks to you. Amen. Thanks. Take care. God bless. (laughs) All right. Take care. We have Gavin on the line. Gavin, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm excellent. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. I just wanted you to uh, speak to how our um, our theology, how how New Thought theology, answers uh, the question where some people would say the Bible or Jesus taught that people should be poor. A lot of times you hear people will quote uh, the Book of Matthew, uh, where Jesus is saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man uh, to enter the kingdom of God. How how is that interpreted uh, in our in our theology, and how, and how does that mesh with or conflict with the prosperity teachings? Well, first of all, that's a great question. The way I would deal with that is this: first of all, when Jesus was addressing people, people who have a tendency not to put his statements in the context that he lived, and G- Jesus lived in an agricultural society that was basically um, there was no such thing as a middle class. They were occupied by Rome, and they were taxed. So the wealthy people who lived in the area normally attained their wealth through the manipulation and improper politics to strip people of their land, um, to make people work for basically slave wages, and even those slave wages were taxed. 
So we're talking about a system that was quote unquote unfair. So we're not talking. He wasn't talking about people necessarily who always accumulated wealth uh, in a way that was holistic. So that's right. one level of the context. Now, the other thing is when you grow up out of that context, Jesus saying t- to the uh, person, uh, to his disciples about the, the camel and the needle, he had just talked to a, a wealthy person who wanted to follow him. Now, Jesus gave him the trick bag. He said, okay, you want to follow me? Sell all your stuff and come and follow me. And God was like, no, I can't do that. Now, here's, here's, here's the kicker. Jesus had wealthy friends everywhere he went, Nicodemus and other people who had parties and and great gatherings that they would invite him in to. Um, it's all through the Gospels. He would eat and be merry. Matter of fact, they called Jesus uh, uh, in the Bible, in the King James language, a wine-bibber and a glutton, which means he drank uh, wine at parties, and he was a holy man, and he ate a lot of food. He didn't fast. So he was he was living an abundant life from the standpoint of whatever he needed was provided. So so that hyperbole about the camel going through a needle is is a statement that was saying when you trust only in what man can do, you can experience what it means to be one with God because your trust isn't in God. Your trust is in what you can see. And part of living out of the quote unquote kingdom of God consciousness, Christ consciousness, etc., is the reliance on what you don't see initially that will show up as what you see when you have faith and trust in the invisible coming into the visible. As an example, when when Peter and Jesus were going um, through this um, town, they had to end up paying a tax and they didn't have the finances for it. So Jesus told Peter, go to the sea, cast a hook. Pull up the first fish. It'll have a gold coin in his mouth and pay the taxes with that. Now, does that literally mean that it was a gold coin in the mouth? No, he could have just technically took the fish, sold it and got the money for the taxes. I don't know. But the point of it is Jesus always met the demand that was at hand. He didn't say, "Okay, pray and and they'll dismiss it when it was a situation with uh, Jesus and the feeding of the multitudes, 5,000 people out and about, they're hungry. Jesus had the people sit down. However that need was met, he met it. So when Christian people say that Jesus didn't teach prosperity, it doesn't make sense because every time it was a need biblically, it was met by God, the Hebrew people and the manna that was that came daily. Matter of fact, Jesus even told us, give us, this day, our daily bread. Now, that could be prosperity, that could be health, that could be peace, whatever we need for our own nourishment. So I think what, what ended up happening is a righteousness came around being poor for people who didn't have it. And then also it became a way of manipulating. So because if you keep people poor and, and uneducated and and lacking, then you can manipulate them. Tell them what you want while you live another way. So so Christianity, um, at times, people are being told, stay poor, be poor, etc. But then they don't look at the expressions of prosperity that, that for instance, and I'm not using them as an example of anything wrong. I'm using this as an example of comparison. You can have people who, who are in my field, who take a, a vow of poverty, and then you look at the Vatican and say, wait a minute here. <laughs> right. Is, is that a viable poverty? <laughs> you know, if that's the type of poverty you want, then you know maybe we need to def- redefine what poverty means. So it's it's a lot of it's okie doke. 
we teach an on-time God. Jesus said it best. What man, if his son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if his son asks for a fish, will give him a scorpion? And he said, if you being evil, which means an Aramaic, you make mistakes. If you make mistakes and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask? That's really what it is. So hopefully that was uh, that satisfied your question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for calling in. All All right. So going forward, we're on page 88. And Mr. Fillmore says, realize, first of all, that prosperity is not wholly a matter of capital or environment, but a condition brought about by certain ideas that have been allowed to rule in consciousness. Now, the key word here is rule. Because we'll have the thoughts in our mind, but what's ruling our consciousness? What's dominant in your consciousness? In other words, what comes up when the experience is in your face? What thoughts come up? What feelings come up? That's what's dominant. See, in in the UFBL and at Christ Universal Temple, we talk about responsibilities, five responsibilities for being a child of God. Right thinking, right feeling, right words, right actions, right reactions. But I tell folks, The key is right reactions, because before you have an opportunity to put your new thought face on, before you have an opportunity to get yourself in alignment with what you how you think you should act, the reaction tells you what's in your subconscious. What you really believe, what you really feel. So when that situation happens and that fear comes up, that fear is there and it's real. For you, at least. See, now, there's no such thing as fear in the sense of you can go to Target or Walmart and go buy fear. It doesn't exist. It's something that we produce. So when it pops up, that gives you an opportunity to say, whoa, even if you get yourself back in alignment with truth and you start to work on it and get your head together, you now know you have a reaction that you have to deal with. Because when you're staring at numbers and you have more month than money or you're looking at the situation, the circumstance where you're staring down a diagnosis and a prognosis or you're looking at a situation where, you know, you know, the, the relationship is, it, it has dissolved or it's dissolving in your hands like and it's pouring through your hands, your fingers like sand and you're trying to figure out what's going on. The reaction that comes up is where you are subconsciously, and then you so you, you have to take time to literally align your mind back and now deal with that. And say, okay, I know it's there. Now let me work on my consciousness. Let me flesh this out. Let me start working with my denials and affirmations. Let me get into action because action does it. Remember the, the epistle to, to of the epistle of James, excuse me, talking too fast. It states, faith without works is dead. So now that I'm utilizing my faith, now I have to put it into action. Now, moving on. I'm skipping over a couple of things. Page 91, bottom of the page. 
The real search of all people is for God. They may think they're looking for other things, but they must eventually admit it is God they seek. Now, many people wouldn't say this. I agree with him, but I'm going to put a twist on it. I would say people are seeking wholeness, but they don't know that that wholeness is God. And they don't know that God is within them. So the wholeness that they seek, they can only find within themselves when they discover their own inner wholeness in God. So we seek prosperity and we seek the health and we seek the peace and we seek the love, but we're really seeking the wholeness. And see, the world will tell you that you're not whole. It's always something on TV, on the radio, on the internet, or in conversation that says you're not right because you don't have this or because you don't look like this or you don't talk like this or uh, wrong skin color or too tall, too short, too thin, too fat, too something. So we have to remind ourselves consistently that all of that stuff is nonsense. We are spiritual beings. And we deserve to be whole. So people do outer things seeking that, thinking it'll make them whole. You know, people who have um, the ability to to seek out, for instance, plastic surgeries. I'm gonna change my nose, change the way my eyes look, my, my lips, et cetera, et cetera, because they think, well, if I have this outer appearance, I'll be whole. But then they just get the next surgery, and then the next surgery, and the next surgery, because the wholeness has nothing to do with how they look on the outside, they feel empty on the in- inside. So it's it's diminishing returns. Every time they do something else, it just doesn't feel right because they haven't found wholeness in God. The peace that you seek, the prosperity that you seek is in God. The love that you seek is in God. Now, remember what I said earlier to Reverend Bobby. Possibility has a short Shelf life. What does that mean in this context? It just means that the love that you seek has to be kept into existence through your consciousness and how you relate to other individuals and how they occur to you. For instance, as a minister at a large New Thought mega church, I am in a quote unquote relationship with every person that's in this church. I'm not talking about an intimate relationship. I'm talking about from the standpoint of they relate to me a certain way and I relate to them a certain way. And in that context, we are a church family. I have responsibilities. They have responsibilities. I have commitments to them. They have commitments to me. And and that's what that's how community works. That's how family works. We have an understanding of how things work around here. But when we want to transform it and transcend how things work, we have to have a new conversation. We have to have a new commitment. And we pull and call and express that love to make sure that whatever we do is done with the ease and speed of spirit in divine order. And that shows up as prosperity, because when divine order is is present, you create the space for the infinite potential of God to express. 
Hopefully that makes sense. So we're going to take our last break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. We are all on the journey together, making sense of this life, finding our spirituality, growing and evolving. As we travel through this world, Unity Magazine is your resource for gaining a deeper understanding of life. Unity Magazine is on the forefront of spiritual discovery, with articles and features from leading authors, teachers, and philosophers. Stimulate your thinking and strengthen your spirituality with Unity Magazine. Sample a free trial issue or subscribe today at unitymagazine.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm teaching Prosperity by Charles Fillmore, and we're on Lesson 6, page 98. Before I get into this chapter, I would like to remind you that Unity Online Radio is supported by your love offerings. So as you have freely received, please freely give. Click the donate button on the website and donate to Unity so they can continue to support this show and shows on Unity Online Radio so this message can get out to the world. We have people who are listening to this show in other countries, in in several different states. I'm in Chicago and I get emails and calls from people in various states, from the East Coast, down South, West Coast, etc. So please be the space that allows for transformation. Be the space that allows love to show up. And 
in this instance, love shows up as your donation that allows the ministry to go forward because people can say what they want to say. But without any money, it's very difficult to have ministry moving right along. Page 98. Mr. Fillmore says in the first full paragraph that some of us have in measure inherited hard times by entertaining the race thought so prevalent around us. He says, do not allow yourself to do this. What does this mean? Race thought or race consciousness just means the dominant thoughts and beliefs of humanity. And the human race has beliefs that we believe completely uh, to be completely true that are not true. And then there's cultural beliefs that are based upon your age, where you're born, your religion, your culture, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the key. Life doesn't have to be hard. Life doesn't have to be hard. Life does not have to be hard. You don't have to earn by the sweat of your brow. Now, you might work long hours, but it doesn't mean it's hard. Because when you love what you do, when you're passionate about making a difference, it's not work. You're just living your commitment. See, this is one of the things I always tell folks. Even if you have a job that you aren't passionate about, make sure that you are giving to some organization time, talent, treasure. So you can be on fire about something because many of us have a pilot light that never we and we never turn the gas all the way up. It'll the little flicker of flame doesn't necessarily consume you. You have to be passionate about something because when you're passionate about something, it it turns on other things in you. It pulls up possibility and potential. It helps create the enthusiasm needed to push through to your breakthrough. So you can't push through to your breakthrough being lethargic. You can't develop a prosperity consciousness with the, oh, well, whatever happens, happens consciousness. That doesn't work. So we have to let that race thought go. We have to let indifference go. We have to let uh, uh, the belief that things won't change and they can't get any better go. We have to be the space that says, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I can make a difference. I can make a difference. First of all, in my own life and when I am transformed, Jesus said it this way. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me and think about the people who are transforming the world just because he let his light shine. Moving on. So Mr. Fillmore says on page 98, deny that you can lose anything. Let go of negative thoughts of financial loss or any kind, any other kind of loss and realize that there is nothing is ever lost in the universe. Let me read that again. Let go of negative thoughts of financial loss or of any other kind of loss and realize that nothing is ever lost in all the universe. You can't lose anything. You say, well, I've lost money or, I, you know, lost my car or 
I lost my health. No, it's not expressing right now. But you can't, you don't lose relationship. You might not have a relationship with a person. But you don't lose relationship. You don't lose prosperity. It's not expressing itself because it's not being activated in your experience. Prosperity is not a thing. It's a state of consciousness. So he goes on to say there are opportunities everywhere just as there have always been to produce all that you need financially or otherwise. Now, this is the part of new thought that sometimes throws people off. Well, I can't find a job. I can't get the money. I can't, you know, do whatever. And we're saying opportunity is everywhere and prosperity is everywhere. And health is everywhere and peace is everywhere and love is everywhere. Why? Because we say that God is omnipresence. And if God is the all and only presence and God is love and peace and prosperity and and uh, health and et cetera, then all of those things are present as potential. And they go from being potential to expression by the user, the mind. So Mr. Fillmore goes on to say, God wants you to be a producer of new ideas. New ideas come to you from within. Now, God wants you to be a producer of new ideas, which means simply this. Let's stop recycling old people's ideas. Well, you know, they did that 20 years ago, three years ago, three months ago. No. The people who really make it in life far as prosperity is concerned are producers. Most people are consumers. They eat everything up. See, but the. The Bible says that the uh, the lender, the slave is, the borrower is slave to the lender. So the person, the lender is the one who's producing. The borrower is the consumer. We have to realize that if you're not producing something that is new, you're recycling something that is old. In your life. What are you doing that's really new? Really new. Really new. I was just telling the producer this morning that on the on the call that every morning now I'm getting up and I'm doing um you know this oriental or not use oriental Asian yoga, not the traditional yoga, every morning for the next two months. Got something I need to do. So I got to get my body together for it. Now, that's new. And so instead of trying to say, okay, well, I'm just going to sleep until I normally sleep. I'm going to create a new expression physically by doing something different. But that requires commitment. It requires time. It requires going to bed on time, et cetera, et cetera. You got to create something new for yourself. So it's important for you to be open and receptive, what new ideas God is going to give me? And see, the fact that it's new means that you have outgrown the old, and it's now time to release it. Jesus said you can't put new wine in the old wine skin. What we try to do is we try to put the newness in the oldness, and it disrupts it because they don't 
they aren't supposed to work together. Ever. Now, one last point before we close. On page, bottom of page 99, going over to page 100, last line. We should form the habit of blessing everything that we have. It may seem foolish to some persons that we bless our nickels, dimes, and dollars. But we know that we are setting the law of increase into operation. All substance is one and connected, whether it is visible or the invisible. The mind likes something that is already formed and tangible for suggestion to take hold of. Now, bless your clothes. Bless your money. Bless your automobile. If the bus or the train takes you where you need to be or bike, bless it. Bless the feet to get you to it. Bless, bless. Getting into the habit of blessing, blessing. When you see your friends, give them a hug before you leave. God bless you. What are you doing? Invoke good on that experience because blessing means to invoke good. Because what you bless, you increase. So he says further down in that paragraph, so when we bless our money or other goods, we are complying with a divine law of increase that has been demonstrated many times. When you bless the prosperity, bless your refrigerator, bless your checkbook, when you get bills, bless it and thank God for the money to meet the demand. Bless it, bless it, bless it. So he goes on to say, another step in demonstration of prosperity is the preparation of the consciousness to receive the increase. So he says, if we pray for rain, we should be sure that we have our umbrellas with us. So if you're going to pray for the expect for something, you have to be in a state of expectation for it. In other words, if you're what you're praying for, you should be preparing for. Don't miss that. What you're praying for, you should be preparing for. Last point, page 101. It says, it is not advisable to hold too specific a demand. You might visualize $100 and get it when 1000 was coming your way. Do not limit the substance to what you think you need or want. Rather, broaden your consciousness and give infinite mind freedom to work, and every good and evil, needful thing will be provided you. Make your statements broad and comprehensive so that your mind may expand to the infinite rather than trying to cram the infinite into your mind. So as you're praying for prosperity and you have a specific amount, say this God or better. Or if it's or ask for for beyond what you need. This God or better. So at least your, your mind has a handle around it. But what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not limiting myself to what I think I need because I am the divine expression of infinite wealth. It knows how to show up as me. That's a new affirmation. I'm about to remember that. I am am the divine expression of infinite wealth, and it knows how to show up as me. I like that. Anyway, so on page 101, Mr. Fillmore gives several affirmations. Work with them. I'm just going to read one, and then we're going to close the show. He states, infinite wisdom guides me, divine love prospers me, and I am successful in everything I undertake. I love that 
Matter of fact, when I first came to Christ Universal Temple, this was one of the affirmations that I read every day, probably for a year on a three by five card, along with some other statements. So work with it. Read chapter seven before next Wednesday so we can continue to work with it. God bless you. And I'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. been on a spiritual path, it's easy to get confused about God. Is God out there? In here? And who are you praying to? Finally, there's help to sort it all out. The Three Faces of God is a six-week summer series on Unity Online Radio, featuring co-hosts Karen Kelly and Reverend Ellen Debenport, author of The Five Principles. Together with their special guests, they'll explore the different aspects of God that show up in world religions and in Unity. You might never look at God the same way again. The Three Faces of God is live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central from June 3rd to July 8th. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child. Trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. 
Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.